Today's guest is NFL Baltimore Ravens special teams coach Randy Brown. Coach Brown has trained and developed what is considered to be by many to be the most prolific special teams unit perhaps in the history of the NFL with pro bowlers Justin Tucker, Morgan Cox, and Sam Cook. The first soccer-style all-state kicker in the state of New Jersey, an early kicking camp organizer in the 1990s, Coach Brown's passion for being the very best you can be, whether it's kicking a ball, coaching with his son Tyler, or serving as a local politician, fuels his daily drive and determination to not only arrive at the top of the NFL specialist food chain, but stay there for years to come. Enjoy. What is your super secret origin story? How did you go from being mayor of a small town in New Jersey to being Ravens kicking coach? Well, it happened before then. Uh, my father was a councilman in our community from 1983 to 1991, but I was a kicker at Cherokee High School, was an all-state kicker at Cherokee High School, graduated in 85, went to Catawba College, was an all-American kicker in, in fall of 88, and then um, started my own kicking camp in 1989. And uh, uh, there, were, there weren't a lot of soccer-style kicking camps back then, so uh, I started going around the country with NFL teams, with colleges. Uh, literally sleeping on people's couches, uh, paying my own flights to get all over and, and work for a lot of great, great coaches like Al Roberts and uh, Tommy Bowden and uh, Rick Neuheisel and Gary Barnett and great guys who, uh, Don Nealon especially, Don gave me one of my first breaks too. Uh, these guys gave me an opportunity to, to come in and run kicking camps and and work with some of their their student athletes so that was good um but i started national football league in uh, with the chicago bears in uh, 1998 as a, a 30 30 year old coach and um decided 10 years later when i was out of football for about six months in between stops that i was going to run for mayor of my town mm-hmm and I won that in May of 2007, and John Harbaugh got the Ravens job seven months later. So I was seven months into a four-year term, and John Harbaugh called and said, you ready to go to Baltimore with me? And I said, oh, hell, I just got a four-year <laughs> term as mayor. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, you know, at the time, Harbs was coaching DBs, and I had been a special teams assistant for a couple of years in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, I – you knew John was going to be a head football coach one day um, right. and, you know, and it happened that way. So that's how, that's how I became mayor. And, and then John had brought me on as a kicking coach in, uh, in, in 2008, which brings us to today. Gotcha. And I guess to go around the country, sleeping on people's couches and, and for, you know, really before the internet. So I can't even imagine what it was probably like to, to find kickers back in the late eighties, early nineties, you really got to love it. And, what is it that you love most about kicking, punting, and snapping? You know, why, why are you drawn so much to it? But it's really my origins, um, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be 53 this summer. I don't feel 53. I can't believe that, um, you know, it'll be 30 years that I've been coaching kicker, uh, kickers and punters. In 1984, uh, when I went to uh, Mark Mosley's kicking camp, Right. As a soccer style kicker. I was one of 25 soccer style kickers. He had a hundred straight on guys and he had <laughs> one kicking coach for us. A right. kid named Jack Leone, who was the kicker out of university of Maine. 
So 25 of us were kicking soccer style. And I think Mark might have came down one time and, like, said hello. But we were banished to the corner, as you can right. imagine, at Salisbury State University. So I was the first ever soccer style kicker that made all South Jersey that was selected by the Brooks Irvine Memorial Football Club here in Southern New Jersey. And I was first team all South Jersey. All the times in years before, it was always another position player that was more of a straight on guy. So when I, when I got that award and I went to Catalba and I, you know, there was this giant hole for people to coach kickers, how to kick soccer style. So um, my love in it, is I'm a soccer player. I played soccer from six to 16. I was an all, uh, I was an all South Jersey soccer player as a freshman, sophomore in high school, but I quit all that to go kick a football. And you know what? My love of kicking started then. Mm -hmm. And it, it still, you know, here I am all these years later and I just love the art of kicking and the art of punting. And because it constantly evolves, I mean, daily, if not hourly, kicking and punting evolves in the United States. Gotcha. And how, how have you seen it evolve? All right. So that's a great question. You know, we went from when I was kicking, uh, you know, and I had tryouts from everybody from the Green Bay Packers and the Miami Dolphins and Philadelphia Eagles for, you know, I spent two years pretty much being the moonlight Graham of the National Football League. <laughs> I never had an opportunity to play in a, in a real game. And, and I wish they built a field of dreams for me because I'd love to come back and kick one field goal or one extra point in an NFL game. I've joked with Tucker many times. I said, Tuck, one of these weeks, do you just got to bring me active? I just got to kick one and one kick, you know, <laughs> just one. Hey, yeah, tell um, us your cleats, as We'll get you some cleats. Wouldn't it be great, right? Right. Uh, so um, I, I have found that um, my love of kicking has just gone back so far that, you know, it, it's really what I see going forward. It's, I mean, listen, I think I can, I might be able to work till I'm in my eighties kicking, coaching oh. kickers. Cause I just love it so much. Right. Uh, that's awesome. Was there a particular moment where you like, you felt like whether it was as a player or as a coach, like I am encoded to do this for the rest of my life in some way. Yeah. And it was the worst moment of my career. Okay. Worst moment of my career. Um, fall 1983, November Cherokee high school. We had a 30 game winning streak, 30 game winning streak. I had just quit soccer the year before and played my first every year of, of football. I was 11 for 21 on extra points. I'll say that again. I was 11 for 21 on extra points. Wow. My senior year, my junior year in high school. We're playing Brick Township, and we score first. My up, my, my extra point hits the right upright. Oh, that's We a lose the game 7-6. We lose the state semifinal 7-6. And in New Jersey, we always play Thanksgiving games the very next week after the, first, after the second round of playoffs. So – that next week we beat Pemberton High School, I think sixty-three to nothing. That would have given us win. That would have given us thirty-two straight wins. The state record was held by Millville at thirty-one wins. So that that day when I missed that extra point and we lost seven-six, changed me as a person and changed everything. And I that very next day I went to an Eagles Giants game, 
and our head coach Jim Horner had brought me a uh, had brought me a, uh, a signed autograph by by Ali Haji Sheik, who is now one of the nicest men I've ever met. He is at University of Michigan with my son Tyler. He, he's a former Wolverine, and he's I've actually worked a couple camps with him. And he had a great message to me about keeping my head up. This is the very next day. That day, that next day, and that Sunday, I said I'm going to be the best kicker that has ever ever kicked a football. And that moment changed my life and has brought me where I am today because of the, the miss and the adversity. Um, mm. I know you were probably expecting a different answer, but that really dictated to the point of where as mayor, I raised $600,000. We turfed the field that I played my entire career on at, at Cherokee, turfed it free, no taxpayer dollars. So the original uprights from, from the seventies were still up in 2009. I cut those son of a bitches down and that right <laughs> upright, Brendan, that right upright that I hit is in a storage unit a mile from my house right now. Wow. And for That's... the rest of my life, that upright is going to stay with me. But I think that that, but that, I mean, that's an awesome story though. I heard a great quote once and that kind of why I, I was interested in this answer was uh, where, where a man's wound is, you will also find his greatest genius. And I think as specialists, whether you're a coach or a former player, you have to be able to see past failures and see how they've set you up for future success. Yeah, perfect. You know, I, mean, really, I couldn't have said it any better. You're right. And, you know, we are so psychotic as kickers and punters that if I call Sam Cook right now and says, Sam, uh, what punt sticks out to you? He'll come up with some punt that maybe we had a 12-yard return up, right, mm -hmm. from last year. I didn't really hit it that well. He won't talk about the 30-some that we put inside the 20, you know, and the 15 that we put inside the 10 right. or the one that went out at the 1. Because that's just not the way that those of us who have kicked and punted a football, whether it's high school, college, or the National Football League, were wired. You know, we remember the misses, and uh, right. which is great because I think the great ones, the great ones – remember their misses because they remember the pain that they suffered and that what that miss caused them. And they're like, I don't want to feel like that again. I don't want to feel like that. I mean, I remember how Justin was when his extra point went right against the New Orleans Saints. You know, it was 35, whatever, I forget the score. I think it was 35, 34, whatever. You know, when Augusta Wynn took that ball right and, you know, he's, he's got the football. It's in his house. He looks at that every day. He's got the football and that, that continues to motivate and drive him. Now, how do you, and I think that that's, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. And I mean, like, how do you as a coach, and this is kind of more your philosophy of training and developing specialists at the NFL level, but that, how do you navigate that fine line between wanting to develop specialists in a way where like, they're going to be those perfectionists, but at the same time, not being so attached to the result of the kick that they kind of get in their own head. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, to me, that's the downfall of uh, that fine line. There is the difference between guys who can make a 55, 60 yarder all day and, but they do it out, you know, at the high school or they do it at some kicking camp. Mm -hmm. The guy who can go ahead in front of 110,000 people in Ann Arbor and do it to win a game, a Michigan, Michigan state game 
or a guy who can do it to win a Texas, Texas A&M game like Justin Tucker did, you know, or a kid that can go ahead and do it that can win a Saints game on Monday night football like Will Lutz did, you know, or I don't even have to go through the number of kicks that Tuck made, you know, nobody, or, or, or I would consider a great friend of mine, two great friends of mine, David Akers and uh, Adam Vinatieri. Right. There were, there were much better physically gifted kickers that I've seen in my 28, 30 years that is coaching kickers than David Akers and Adam Vinatieri. I mean, much more gifted talent-wise. Mm-hmm. But what those two men have is similar to what Tuck and Guskowski and some of the elites today have. Um, but to your point, the, the guys who get in their own head and can't forget that last miss are the guys who just don't make it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And is that, is that something that obviously the NFL has an incredibly short leash for anybody but I think especially for, for specialists as well, is that something that you try to foster in the guys that you train and develop with the Ravens? Or is it more something like at, at this point, you basically have to be 95% there already? No, 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 no. I mean, have you checked Will Lutz's stats at Georgia State? No. I think or... Everybody who's listening here mm-hmm. should Google Will Lutz's stats at Georgia State you know, Mm -hmm. and then say, oh my, he's now the second most accurate kicker in the history of the National Football League, okay? Mm -hmm. Or even Justin Tucker's stats at the University of Texas, okay? Or how about you go look at Justin Tucker's kickoff stats at the University of Texas? I have fostered what I teach now is what I taught for my eight years at high school football. I coached four years at Cherokee High School and four years at Holy Cross High School and all my years in college football at at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, at Clemson, or in the National Football League at Chicago and Philadelphia and in Baltimore. People see me now because I'm part of an elite group, if not the best group of specialists that have ever played the game of football and Sam, Morgan, and Justin. They see me now here. They don't see the all South Jersey kickers I had the All-Americans I've had, the Lou Groza Award winners I've had. Um, and all of them have in common, in my opinion, the ability to focus in on their detail, which is my technique in order to hit a straight ball, hit a good ball. Mm-hmm. So, yes, as part of the teaching, um, I had a high school kid. I just had to be a friend of a friend, and I had him out two, three weeks ago. We actually finally had a 50 degree day in New Jersey. So I had him out. And um, I was communicating with him the same exact way as I communicate with Justin. And uh, I think as a coach, if you're listening as a coach or you're listening as a player, it's what can I do technique wise that makes me strike the ball the same every single time. Every single time I'm kicking, uh, kicking off, every single time I'm kicking a field goal, or every time I'm punting. Does the ball, and you and I have spoken about this before, but does the ball feel differently coming off my foot, you know, three very four times, four very five times? Because if it does, well, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to foster the confidence into these players of just hitting the same ball. 
we might just sit and hit, you know, 35, 40 yarders for two, three days in a row. We just might go on the skinnies for a day or two and just, I just want to see the same ball. I want to be bored is what I tell these guys. I want you to bore me. I want to pretend I'm at a tennis match watching Federer, right? Or I've gone to the Masters twice. And I set out the range both, both times, three, four hours each day. And when you watch the repetitiveness of the skill that these, these professional athletes can do, is that's what you need to do as a kicker, punter, long snapper. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And I think what's interesting about like comparing golf to kicking is that, you know, golf kind of has it like they're pretty good technically. Like they have really good standards around like, all right, this is a good swing. This is not. And I think kicking, we definitely know what a bad kick is because obviously the ball didn't go in, but there's a lot of debate over what a good ball is. And I think there's always this tension between what are the, the fundamentals of every great kicker versus what is unique to each kicker individually? How do you navigate that blurry line between fundamentals and what works best for everybody? Um, you have to start with the snap and the hold. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can imagine the amount of college tape I watch, right? Especially now during the draft. Um, and when I was in college football, you can imagine the amount of high school tape I'd watch. The amount of high school tape my son at Michigan watches. Amount of tape, high school tape that probably Shane Graham watches. Um, and I could go through the guys. You could be, you could be in a fabulous kicker, amazing kicker. But if you don't have a snap and hold, if the hold changes each time, right? Right. The, 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 the ball spinning, maybe you got three o'clock laces this time. Maybe you got 12 the next time. You don't know. You don't know where the ball is going to be snapped. Is it going to be snapped back shoulder? Is it going to be snapped at his face mask? Is it going to be snapped over the spot? This is it going to be snapped on the ground. It's going to hit his right, his, his, his right thigh, and then he's got to put it down. When all of that indecision is in your mind and you got to get it off in 1.3 seconds, or if you're with some of these crazy coaches and they say, I want it off in 1.2. they <laughs> It's like, okay, sure. Um, so I, we talked about this in the article you wrote, but I talk about it in all my clinics I give. That you want a great kicker, you better get a great snap and a great hold. And that hold needs to be on the spot every single time. Mm-hmm. It is still mind-boggling to me with the technology that we have today. And everybody walks around with a video camera on their phone now. Okay, everybody's got a video camera. Right? We still have holders that don't know how to hold a ball. How is that possible? How is if, if you're a holder or a coach, how do you not say, hey, um, uh, Joey, go watch everything Sam Cook has ever done in his career. Watch his holding. Oh, hey, uh, go watch uh, Lee Johnson. Go watch Jeff Fiegels. Go watch some of the greatest holders, Coy Detmer. I mean, I can list it over and over, okay? Probably watch four-fifths of the National Football League holders, right? Go watch the Colquitt brothers. They're great holders. And then emulate that. It's there for you. Don't, right. don't recreate it, okay? The days of, you know, uh, like, like I was watching Tom Dempsey's highlights today, since God rest his soul, he passed away. Right. You know, what a day today. My, my, my next-door neighbor for 30 years, Joe Scarpati, was the holder. Um, so how about that? Two guys on Arendelle Drive in Malton, New Jersey. Joe Scarpati held for the 63-yard field goal, and I was on the field with Justin Tom. 
Tucker for the 61 yarder, the farthest field goal indoors. So wow. two guys who, who live 12 yards from each other were, were two of the biggest plays in kicking in the National Football League's history. All so, in New Jersey. All right there, Marlton, New Jersey, Arendelle Drive, 12 yards apart. Um, so when, when you see how holders have come, you know, and which foot, you know, the, 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 back foot's, the back foot's not down anymore. That's now up. The front foot's down. You know, it's, everything's changed. But there's enough film out there. Watch. Go watch the operation in Michigan, what Tyler does at Michigan. They have a fabulous operation. And they're, they're, they're college kids. So you got to do the operation. Mm-hmm. And I know that's the long answer. I'm glad we have a podcast so we can talk longer. But <laughs> right. I know that's the long answer. But I don't care how good you are. I don't care how good Justin Tucker is. If we give him a bad operation on a bad field with wind, the percentages of makes go down dramatically. Right. Yeah, and I think for a lot of high school kids, there's almost, um, you know, you you don't want to be, I think they call them, uh, you know, sticks heroes. Like, you, you look great kicking off the sticks, but, you know, you don't have a snapper holder. And I think there's a misconception that if you're going to play in college, going from high school to college, you need to have a college-bound snapper holder. But all you really need to do is just get time out there with those guys. Because most kids in high school could probably figure out how to chuck a ball back seven yards consistently if you just took the effort to be proactive. That is true. But I'm going to say this to the high school athletes who are listening. It's your responsibility to go to the head football coach of your team and say to him, I want Joey to be my holder. I want Stevie to be my long snapper. Okay. Because you need to find out what is the best operation for you. And then you need to say, coach, watch us do this. This is how we do it. I like the ball held like this. So often in camps, I'll see kids come in and they'll have the ball leaning towards them instead of away from them, right? They'll have the ball leaning back in the sweet spot. You can't even see the sweet spot. They got the ball leaning back so much. Right. Once again, there's enough instructional video out there, and you got great teachers like John Carney and Jamie Cole and Mike McCabe. You got guys who can teach. Go watch their video. They got it, right? Mm-hmm. So, high school kickers, it's your fault if you don't have the holder and the punter the way you, the holder and the long snapper the way you want it. When I say it's your fault, you've got to speak up because I hear the high school coaches say that the high school players say, oh, no, I didn't tell the head coach, I just told him, no. I said, it's your, that's your career. Your right. destination is your holder and your long snapper. And you guys speak up. <clears throat> and, you know, it's like, then tell your dad to say, it. oh, I don't want my dad calling it. Okay, great. So you're going to suck this year, right? You're going to have a <laughs> bad season because right. you don't want to speak up. You know, I, I, yeah. uh, you know I, I, I don't get it. Listen, I know, I know Tyler has, has talked to his specialist and I know they speak up. Um, and you know, I, I, I think the, the, the best way to make kicks is communicate to your coaches, let them know who can help you make kicks. Yeah. And I think that's a great point though. Your, your season, your career runs through your holder and snapper. You have to rely on other people. You're never going to kick a game, uh, kick in a game off of sticks. No, no. Hey, listen, if they did that, I, I, I'd be pretty, I mean, Justin's pretty accurate as it is, but I think his accuracy might actually go up another percentage point or two. If we could just bring the sticks out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, coach. Uh, we're calling timeout. Yeah, we're going to run the sticks out and nobody's going to rush. Okay. We're good with yeah, that. Right. 
Sticks. And oh, by the way, he's going to take his shoulder pads off and his helmet off. We're just going to kind of just kick with T-shirt on. Is kick, that cool? Kick with the breeze, too. <laughs> I love when I see some of these colleges come out, right? And they, they, they come out and the kicker comes out with a baseball hat on and a T-shirt. And it's pregame warm-up. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you're, I don't believe you're kicking like that in the game, are you? So, right. I, you know, it's <clears> – <throat> you practice. They say it all the time, right? You play how you practice. And if you're going to come out in a T-shirt and shorts, you're going to come out in a T-shirt and just your pants and a base and a ball cap before a game, whether you're playing high school or college, I've seen it all, all right, then you're not realistically practicing – two, three hours before you're playing the game. So go out there and practice the way you expect to play in that football game. These are all the little things that are, they, they have been my pet peeves for years, right? And I laugh. I laugh at you know, these, these geniuses who think some of this stuff works, right? No. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, it's anyway. – Yeah, no, I hear you. But, I mean, the, the little things are the big things, though. It is. A million percent. A million percent. Now, let, let's get a little bit more into – technique or, or training what are three keys that you look for or i guess what are some of the fundamental things that you look to train and develop with justin tucker as a kicker or any kicking really and then take us through what that is for punting as well um <clears throat> i teach kicking very similar I, I i i've said this before i take teach kicking very similar as i did you know in 1989 um just like I say in my clinic talks, it all begins with foot-to-ball contact, okay? Mm-hmm. You must have foot-to-ball contact in the same spot each time, right? You kick the ball on the bone one inch below the middle of the football. That's where your sweet spot is. And I will debate that, and there's no one on the face of the earth that can tell me any differently. I've got the greatest kicker in the National Football League. I have some of the greatest who've ever played the game. No one can debate, and I'll stand on, on the highest of highest mountains. The sweet spot is one inch below the middle of the football, and you kick the ball on your bone. Okay? That undoubtedly, without any question, is fact number one. Okay? Consistency in your plan is fact number two. You can't kick the ball on the bone one inch below the middle of the football if your plant changes every single time. Okay? And somebody's going to say, well, you know, coach, sometimes I like to pinch my plant. Sometimes I like to put it back a little bit, but a little forward. Okay. Yeah, great. You kick the ball down the middle of the field every middle of the goalpost every time? No. Okay. <laughs> How about we do this? How about we just kick the ball down the middle of the field every time? Because, you, you know, I, they'll, they'll come ahead and they'll give you this argument. You know, when I try, I need to kick a 55, 60 yarder. I got to change this. Floor. No, no, it should be the same. Yep. So that's number two. All right. Foot the ball, plant three, consistent swing right? Your swing should go through that upright, like your legs coming off of your body. Bang. Do that up. Bang, bang, bang. All right. Akers, Akers said it the best all the years that I've been working with David. And he said, every time he just envisions, and you can ask him when you speak to him, if you haven't already, but he always envisions his, envision his leg coming through and, and going off his body up through the uprights. All right. So I think if you focus on those three, all right. That's the easiest thing for anybody who's, who's starting out, who is a high school kicker, is a college kicker, or is a national football league. Because if you come to me at the Ravens this year and you're going to be running through camp, I'm going to tell you the same things I'm telling you right now. Now, obviously, there's some other little idiosyncrasies and some secrets that, that we work on when it's just us. Yeah. But 
the big picture is this isn't a secret. I've been talking about this publicly since, you know, I think I did my first clinic, you know, my AFCA clinic in the mid nineties. Actually, if you look close enough, you actually might see one of them on tape somehow, but <laughs> gotcha. they're the three things. So if we convert to punting, okay, punting, you're going to hear some of the similars, foot the ball, foot the ball, all right, foot the ball. I said to you before, the, the ball should feel the same coming off your foot nine times out of 10. You hit a, you'll hit a cutter maybe because you got inside, maybe, maybe drop was a little too far outside. Okay. Number two, your drop. Drop must be consistent. Now, we've got different drops now, right? Because we have different balls that are being kicked. This isn't, <clears throat> you know, the years that I was around Jeff Eagles, and you could just hit turnover ball, turnover ball. Sean Landetta, another punter I was around a long time. You, you know, just turnover ball directional. No, that doesn't work anymore, right? So now we're doing, we're doing people, so many different names I've heard for them. Rugby's, pooches, whatever your nose down, whatever terminology you're going to use for that. Plus 10 kicks, directional. Now you got the guys. You know, when, when Sam Cook invented, and I'm saying invented because it was never seen before till that Sunday night football game in Pittsburgh when we did it against Antonio Brown, when he took the ball from the right hash and he punted it down the left corner. It was right. never done in the, in the National Football League. What does he call so, that punt? I, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's gotcha. the punt where that you kick it away from the returner. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> when you're playing Antonio Brown twice and Pac-Man Jones twice, and Travis Benjamin twice, I think it was Cleveland. I mean, that's a six returners you're saying. You had to come up with something that worked. And a right. great credit to Jerry Rosberg and Sam. Uh, you know, we, we, you know and, and I, we worked really hard to try to come up with some new stuff. But, you know, to pull it off in a game. Hmm. Yeah, so totally foot the ball, foot the ball, drop, and then swing again. Your swing plane. Your swing can't change every time, Brandon. You just can't change. Mm -hmm. All right. If you're making good football contact, you got the ball on your drop out where you want it, then that swing comes up and through, up and through, up and through. Now, some different feeling on this. I understand, you know, some guys don't like their plant foot to come off the ground. I'm a big proponent of your plant foot coming off the ground. A lot of these Aussies coming out there think their plant foot needs to stay on the ground. I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. I've never agreed to it. I've never agreed with it. Um, I have also coached in cold weather, right? New Jersey, my entire high school career, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. I've not been lucky enough to coach in New Orleans, you know, Tampa and Carolina, all right, or Miami. Right. So, but to me, you got to come up off the ground so that way you can direct, direct your ball. But I'm a directional punt coach too now, right? Hmm. I've, I've coached directional punting since my days at Holy Cross and Cherokee High School. I'm a directional punt guy. So, I think when your body comes up through the ball, you have a better chance to put it in the direction you want. When that plant foot stays anchored to the ground in high school and college, which I see it more than I do in the National Football League, it's the ball follows where your leg's going. So if that leg stays on the ground, that's where the swing can go. So there's your three high points, um, you know, in any talk that I would give throughout the United States for high school, college, or pro. Now, do you have particular drills that you like to accomplish those different keys? Like, so for example, uh, you mentioned ball contact. I know there's a lot of debate on the, do you do a no-step drill? Do you just can it and do the one-step drill? Um, are there particular drills or like a, or I guess maybe a, a broader question. How do you, how do you structure your, your practices during a game week? Do you do Well, let's do, let, let's do your, the first question was outstanding. So let's stay with that first because we've got a lot of young kids listening to this. Sure. Um, 
you're a young, you're a young football player. Go to a national football league game if you can. Get there one hour and 45 minutes before and go watch the kickers warm up because then you can see what is their routine. You know, the moment they let you in that gate, go and go stand down at the uprights and watch them do it. And if you watch Justin, Justin goes no step, then one step, and then two step, okay? Uh, if you watch a lot of other guys in the National Football League, no step, one step, two step. Or it says two, well, let's just say full, okay? No, no step, one, two, one full. <clears throat> if you're learning how to kick a football, let's go back to what I said in the last segment, foot to ball. So the only way you can get foot to ball feel, in my opinion, is starting with a no step, going to a one step and going to, to a full. So I'm a firm believer in that. Um, once again, I'm, I would never be off of my position. I don't agree with it because I've seen it work for 30 years. You need to get foot to ball contact and don't just go right into your swing. Okay. So the drills for that, I think, you know, we've all, we've all seen the drills where that, you know, you stand 10 yards in front of the, uh, in front of the uprights, um, you know, at the goal line, you can do it. You can go stand on the, um, on the goal line. It's excuse me on the end line, you know, get yourself 10 yards away from the end line and try to hit the pole. You know, we do them with the drills as, as you know, they're probably the simplest ones to do, mm -hmm. you know, or stand in front of the post and, and hit the post on the no step and the one step because, because that way we, you know, you get, immediate reaction for what your swing was and how your swing plane was. Gotcha. That was the drill. Do you coach? Yeah. Cause I guess my, my, cause I've seen kids like I'll see videos on Twitter or something of a kid doing a 50 yard, no step and their, their body just gets all wonky. You're saying just keep it simple, just foot to ball 10 yards. That's it. Yeah. So I would say this, if I was giving my clinic talk right now, I'd say, you know what guys average, you know, maybe three to five no steps, you know, mm -hmm. three to five one steps, and then go into your full. But I know me as a kicker. I mean, I kicked for a long time. I kicked, a sh you know, uh, I've got to curse. I kicked a lot of field goals. Right. Practice. And there's some days, you know, you know, you know, you, you kick. You right. know, there's some days you feel really good. And there are other days you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't feel it right now. I mean, let me do a little extra, you know, because everything I say is all a generalization. You right. know, talk, listen, Justin is not, I, I, I've said this many times, Justin, Will Lutz, Akers, the guys who I've been on the field the longest with, these guys are great at what they do. Some of the best that have ever stepped on the field. They're not machines. All right. I've seen all three of them have crappy days. Okay. I've seen all three of them look like they don't belong in the national football league for about an hour, but what do they do? They go back to their routine and either they start over again or maybe they accentuate something that is bothering them. You know, the plant just isn't in the same spot each time. Maybe the swing plane just so let me go back to that one step again and go hit a couple more. So right. I'm giving general hour, general hours about how, how I would like to see the drills and how I, how I coach them. Right. And now do you, and I'm, what I'm curious is, and I think there's a perception out there that, you know, obviously your platoon is very, very good at what they do. And that there's this, you know, when you watch the NFL on TV, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, he, he, you know, he could miss even if he tried some days, but they, you know, they also do have off days. So like John Carney broke it down for me once. He, he says, you know, you got your A ball days when everything feels easy and, you know, it's coming off your foot nice. And then you have your B ball days where something's not clicking. And so, 
what he kind of credited to helping him, you know, lengthen his career later on was that if, if he wasn't having a great day, he would have a plan and kind of called it his b-ball plan to at least get the job done. How do you coach your specialists around those a-ball days versus a, a b-ball day? Well, you know, maybe if John Carney had me as a coach, he'd only have a-ball days. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, Listen, I love I'll, John I'll send him a link to this I, podcast. And I say that, and I say that totally tongue in cheek. I, I, I would have been honored to coach John Carney. John Carney, Phil Dawson are two guys who I wish I had an opportunity to coach. They, you know, I've coached some some of the greatest. You know, I've been very fortunate to be around some of the greatest. Some of the guys yeah. we've talked to here. Um, and when you look at guys like John Carney and Phil Dawson, you watch them, and you know what? You're right. There are some days, but what do they do? They make big kicks. They make right. kicks in all kind of weather. They make kicks in every condition. And whether he calls it a B-ball or A-ball, he's probably, you know, uh, downplaying his ability. But it's the day you don't feel great, but you got to find a way to make the kicks, okay? You know, right. these guys, they're human, which means they get the flu. They throw up. They have diarrhea. They get food poisoning. They don't sleep all the time. They have kids. They come to work. And because of all of what I just said, right? Right. And there are plenty of games, which I'll bet you, you could get every NFL specialist on here where they would say, oh my God, I felt so terrible that day. You know, I had to get an IV because I was puking my guts up the night before at 103 fever, blah, blah, blah. But you got to be able to trust your swing to get the ball through. So, and I can understand where John's saying about a b-ball game. Um, maybe the footing's terrible. You know, we've, well, I've played on enough fields. I coached at Soldier Field for two years before it was the new Soldier Field, right? I've coached at Three River Stadium on some of the, the, the bad turf fields, right? The Cincinnati and, and Three Rivers, uh, you know, where, where the seams were so bad, you didn't know where you were going to plant. Right. So you're right. You can't expect that every single ball is going to be an A-ball hit. But if you just go stay with the basics of what I, we laid out earlier, you should be able to get through a game, okay? You just can't have a mental meltdown. Oh, my God, I suck today. I'm not going to try a 61-yarder today. Okay, well, just tell the coach, I'm not feeling it today. You know, my, my, my yard is here. Or my yard is there. So I could see with a guy like Carney probably says to, to his special teams coach or his holder or whoever the person was communicating to the head coach, unless John did at times, is, hey, this is where I'm good today from, you know, right. and you got to take your word. And I think that we've been, you know, I'm so fortunate. I have John Harbaugh as a head football coach, but in every situation I've been in, in all the years I've done this, I've never had a head coach go against of what the suggestion of me as a player or me as, as a coach is. And I think for all head coaches, you have to trust your kicker and you got to trust the coach. So right. if you're on a drive and you know, as a kicker, you're on a drive and your lines of 30, because you know wind maybe your groin's tight maybe the field sucks that's what your line is your line's the 30 it's not the 33 it's not the 34 it's the 30 so um and i think most guys get that but we go back to speaking up you gotta be able to speak up for that so i can imagine a guy like john a veteran like john that's one of those you know depending on the game the drive the distances sure. he's probably was in somebody's ear and said okay this is my spot today gotcha and now 
what I'm kind of curious about is, you know, obviously we, we've talked about this before. There's a lot of guys physically who could perform at the NFL level. Um, and one of the things that, that your organization does really well is you, do, you guys have a, a good history of developing guys in training camps, OTAs, um, you know, in addition to your, you know, your main trio there, what would be one piece of advice you would give to an NFL free agent kicker, punter, or snapper right now who's kind of on that bubble? They've been to a couple workouts, but they haven't, they haven't been picked up by a team. What would, from your perspective as a coach, you know, what, what really separates the guys that stick versus the guys kind of on that bubble? Um, exposure number one, right? You got to get, you got to get exposure. And whether that exposure is Jamie's place, Gary's place, Mike McCabe's place, somebody's place, right? You got to get exposure. We need to see it. Secondly is you got to play. We want to see a play, right? We want to see a play. Whether the AAF, we, we saw some guys play, saw some guys playing the XFL, saw mm-hmm. some guys playing the Arena League. Okay, you've got to get exposure. Um, preseason games are fabulous. If we can find you, if you can find a way on a roster, just get in a, in a preseason game, it's killer. The hardest thing, I think, uh, for football coaches and really any professional coaches when you think about it is, how do you go stand on a table for a guy who hasn't played competitively in let's say three seasons or four seasons or five seasons even, right? And, you know, not even just a kicker, punter, long snapper, uh, but, you know, if a guy's a major league pitcher, he's not just going to be sent home for the last two years, right? He's going to be in some minor league system or he's going to be playing somewhere. Right. Um, so you got to get exposure. I, t- I, t- I tell that to all the guys and, you know, and, but once you get that, okay, if you get that preseason game and you're playing in the National Football League in preseason, you can't go over three. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a tough league. It's a very you know, sure. you, you, when you have that opportunity, the guys who seize upon that opportunity are the ones who make it. Gotcha. Now, do you? How would you break down an ideal week of practice for your special? Uh, so. We won't talk National Football League because that's a little different, okay? Sure, sure. Uh, uh, and I'm assuming most National Football League players already have their routines that they do, so they don't need me preaching to them how you get ready to kick in the National Football League. So what I would suggest if you're playing high school or college football, it's you still have to be on a pitch count. You still got to be on a swing count. So if your games are Friday – let's just go through high school real quick, okay? So you, let's say you have, we're going to do a Friday night game. You play Friday night, don't kick Saturday, don't kick Sunday. Come back Monday, kick, you know, that should be your heaviest day, in my opinion. You know, so you get yourself 30, 40, 50 balls, depending on who you are. Who you are. And you're like, well, what do you mean who you are? Am I just the kicker? Am I the kicker and the punter? Am I the kicker, the punter, and the kickoff guy? What am I, right? So if I'm all three, then I'm going to need to get probably about 50 kicks on Monday. All right, give yourself 30, 40 kicks on Tuesday. 30, 40 kicks Wednesday, off Thursday, you're playing Friday, off again. Um, there are some teams that, 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 that have their players kick within 24 hours of the game. I've never believed in it. I don't believe in it. And I won't believe in it because I've never seen it proven to me that, that an athlete can kick or punt effectively in a game if they've already used that muscles, those muscles within 24 hours. Right. So I, I, you know, I'll be, I, I, I've debated this with my son. 
Um, and, and, but that's just the way, you know, everybody coaches differently. Me, I wouldn't do it. Okay. College football, you're playing on Saturday, Saturday night, same thing. You play Saturday, Saturday night, you're off, stay off Sunday, Monday, get your run in, maybe get a little workout in. You kick Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that same, what I just told you before, 30, 40, 50, depending on who you are, um, off Friday, kick Saturday. I have found the players are explosive or more explosive which is all we're looking for, right? It's just explosiveness. Right. You're more explosive when you have 48 hours off from your muscles. Mm. Okay. So if you've got, let's say you're playing the ACC, right? And you had a Saturday game at Clemson and now you have a home Thursday night game. Now all of a sudden you're like, okay, what do I do? I say you stay on your same routine. You you know, you, you stay off Sunday, Monday, you then kick Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You just kick a little less Tuesday, a little less Wednesday, kick, kick Thursday, because that's your routine, and you're playing Thursday night. If not, then you just kick – you play Saturday, then you just kick Monday, Tuesday, you're off Wednesday, and kick Thursday. So, um, But I like staying on the routine, if that's what you stay on the routine. Uh, but the more time off, and it's just efficient kicking. So that, that's how I would, I would plan workouts for high school and college players. Yeah, I see a lot of high school kids and college kids too just burning their legs out. It's almost like they think that they're going to forget how to kick if they don't kick like 30 balls every day or, you know, kick 50 before the game. Yeah, you know what? And it's to me, it's all the explosiveness. You've got to be explosive. Um, I, I think the way you, you've seen it, um, this is my 13th season going into Baltimore. I've had Sam every year I've been there. Uh, I think this is Sam, Sam's 15th. Uh, this will be Justin's ninth, and I think Morgan's 11th. And um, I think you see how explosive our players are sure. in January and February um, as they are in August and September. And um, I think there are lessons to be learned every year, especially as you get older. And older even means you're not 18 anymore. You're now 22. Sure. You're now 23. And now all of a sudden you're not 22 anymore. You're now 30. You're now 31. Oh my gosh. Now you're 37, 38. <laughs> so it all changes. And, uh, you know, I, when I was with the Chicago Bears, Jeff Jager, 1999, uh, Jeff kicked two days a week. And the Friday we kicked, he might have kicked 15, maybe 20 footballs. But he right. was 35, and he came out was coming off an injury. So, you know, it's let's just be efficient. That's all, guys. You know, right. you're going to kick. Just kick efficiently. You're not winning an award because you told you came home and told your dad kicked 100 balls. <laughs> Go home and tell your dad, Dad, I went 25 for 27 on field goals today, and I only had 10 warm-ups. There you go. Be efficient. Now, what, what advice, and we've got a couple, you know, high school coaches or, or college special teams, quality control or, or assistant coaches listening. What advice would you give to a special teams coach looking to coach up at the next level? Um, be able to coach more than just one position. Okay. Um, as much as I've said it publicly, I think every NFL team uh, should have a kicking coach. I would love to see more and more guys. I was proud to see Jamie in last year. Um, and, you know, Chris Bonio has been doing it. Um, obviously, I've been doing it. Uh, there's some other guys who are doing it and now also doing quality control. You know, my title is now special teams coach because I'm coaching special teams. So um, 
I, I would think every team it would there would be a benefit no matter what because it's still it's a it all pretty much every team right the kicker is the uh, is the position that scores the most points yeah so all the time. you know having having someone there but in the meantime so I would say to all you guys who are listening who are special teams quality control guys in college football you got you're going to have to come up and not just be a kicking guy you're going to have to come up and be a special teams quality control guy or special assistant in national football league. And the more that you know, when you come up that you can be helpful too. So there's some organizations who say, you know, Hey, I'll take a uh, offensive quality control guy who can also help on special teams or out the defense quality control guy who can help on special teams. You know, we're very fortunate in Baltimore where we have myself and TJ Wiest and Chris Horton. So we have three of us, <clears throat> which are dedicated to special teams. And there's, there's more and more teams doing that where they're having three coaches. So, but the more you can coach, you know, I, I, I've echoed that to my son multiple times and to any of the other guys. And, and there's a couple of guys who just come up to our league who are able to coach more than just a kicker or a punter, um, but be able to coach a, a position too. Now, what's, what's that been like having your son kind of come up in your footsteps, so to speak? Um, it has been, been a dream come true. It is, um, I'm very proud of him. Um, you know, here's a kid that, you know, people don't know the story of Tyler and, and, and I. And, uh, you know, I was a single father. Uh, I started raising Tyler uh, by myself at age uh, when he was 18 months old. So uh, for, you know, uh, many, many years, it was just me and Tyler. So in 1998, when I went to coach for Chicago Bears, Tyler was a big seven years old. And in 19, uh, you know, as soon as Tyler was born, he was on a football field with me coaching high school football at Cherokee High School in Holy Cross. So, Tyler has lived on a football field. He's had jerseys all over the place. Um, he knows how he, 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 he's a great coach, a better coach than I was at his age. Um, he's smart. He's articulate, um, attention to detail, but that's been his life. His life has been, been around football and he knows how to act around adults. He always has growing up and he knows how to act on the sidelines and, uh, you know, nothing's worse than we see a guy run up and down the sidelines. They look like they've lost their mind, uh, you know, coaching special teams. Uh, but, you know, some of us get caught up in a moment, no doubt. But, you know, Tyler coaches in front of 110,000 people every week. And, you know, it, it's a blessing that, he, that he's able to do that. I hope there's a day that him and I can coach together one day. Um, he wants to coach against me in the National Football League. And I said, fine, I just got to beat you in the Super Bowl if that's the case. But <laughs> – uh, it, it's really, it, it, it's been, it's been a blessing and, you know, all I can do is thank Jim Harbaugh and uh, for employing Tyler and John uh, for me and the Harbaugh's have been great to me and Tyler. And I think you've seen by some of the specialists uh, that they've had in Michigan that the great job that Tyler has done and Jay Harbaugh have done. And before that was Chris Partridge, you know, they've, they, they, they take special teams serious and they've won a lot of games in Michigan. Uh, because of special teams and right. you know it's we are only one of the pieces and I say that all the time but we really think of it right you know kick and punting and long snapping still only one of the pieces and it really is an intricate puzzle to put together uh, on a Sunday on a Saturday you know is what's the benefit you know who who are your better cover guys Where, where's your kicker kick the ball where's your punter punt the ball what's his strength is it hang time is it distance is it directional you know and then you kind of weave all that together. And that's why coaching special teams is just fabulous. You get in front of the whole team. It's, you know, you coach everybody at some point, whether you're coaching the O lineman on field goal, the D lineman on field goal block, 
these days, as you know, we got a lot of D linemen who play field goal protection. So it's great. You in front of a whole team, talk to the whole team. Uh, and I think Tyler sees that. Tyler spent a lot of seasons with me on the, on the sidelines at the Ravens being our ball guy too. So, you know, he's overheard those conversations that happen, you know, at the AFC championship game when we won in new England, you know, he's been on the field for a lot of Ravens games helping us out. Uh, but I'm proud of him. I, 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 he's a better coach than I am than I was at his age. So uh, it's exciting. Do you guys still ever play pig? And if so, who's the better kicker? Nope, I do not swing. The last time I swung my leg was about five years ago in a tra- charity indoor arena football game that I played, and I was the kicker, and I ran around for a little bit uh, against the Wounded Warriors. And the way my groin felt after kicking there, uh-uh, never do that again. Nope, 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 nope. Tyler was never a very good kicker. Tyler was the holder um, for Cherokee High School as a sophomore. He held – sophomore, junior year, then he went to Camden Catholic and held. And he was a punter. He was a fabulous holder. Tyler taught, when I took Tyler with me to camps, Stanford, Clemson, Colorado, we did camps together. Tyler actually taught their players how to hold. That's how good he was. So he just, you know, listen, the kid's a teacher. He's a sure. physical education teacher. So, you know, he gets it. You know, he's got a, he's, he's got a head start on a lot of guys, but you no, know, it still comes down. I don't care what his name is. His, his guys still have to produce, sure. you know, and how great was it when you saw Quinn came out, you know, after an on and off season came out and bangs a 57 yarder home in the bowl game, what a great snap and hold. And right. I mean, you know, I get more nervous for their games than mine anymore. I, I you know, <laughs> I gotta be honest. There's these Saturday Michigan games, Right. Uh, you know, John and I are sitting here dying through a Saturday Michigan game and we still have our Sunday Ravens games to go through. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more stress on my 76-year-old mother who lives in Florida and watches the games. I think it's more stress on her than it is me and Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the between only Jackie, thing – What's between up? Jackie Harbaugh and Eileen Brown, uh, both of them combined, uh, you know, they, they gray quickly watching Michigan and, and, and the Ravens on back-to-back days. <laughs> What's um, – uh, just a couple quick questions here. Favorite success quote? Oh, favorite success quote. Oh, man. God, there's so many good ones. Ugh. All right, I'll come back to that because I've got a couple of them, but I'll come back. Okay. To that. You can do more than one if you want. Not a problem. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, if you could have trained with anybody that you haven't currently trained with or coached with, who would you want to have the chance to coach and why? I never coach Adam and Terry. I'd love to have been around Adam just to learn where his mind is and we're friends now. Would have loved to have been around him. Definitely would have been loved to have been around Morton Anderson. Right. Um, Jerry Rosberg talks about Morton Anderson. He had a year together. Um, the, the, around Morton Anderson, I think, would have been another. I mean, guy kicks in his 40s, kicking 50-yarders in his 40s. Um, you know, his longevity is tremendous. I had the, I had an ability to meet and talk to Jan Stenerud a couple of years back at the Hall of Fame game. So I, I love when, it, when, when there's history, you know, that, that shows up. Uh, but probably Adam and Morton I'd love to go through a season with. One piece of advice that you wish you would have given yourself knowing what you know now, but when you first started your career. 
shut up and listen. <laughs> Break that down a little bit. Why would you give yourself that advice? Too often as young coaches, you think you know everything, okay? And you don't know okay? You don't know Maybe I'll as title a young the coach, that. Would you, that. Is that going to be the title? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> um, and too often when you're in a group of coaches, you're trying to show them how smart you are, okay? You don't know compared to most. I have forgotten more kicking and punting than 90% of the people that are listening to you today. But I promise you, if I get in a room with some of these young coaches and young players, they're going to tell me what I know and what I should know. <laughs> but I was them. Right. I was the dumb that at age 25 and 27 and 30, instead of going to every special teams coach I could and just listening and asking them questions like you're asking me all day. Okay. You ask me questions, 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 questions. I should have done that instead of going there trying to show everybody how smart I was. Right. So uh, it is shut up and listen. <laughs> I like that. I had a uh, Ty long on here a couple episodes ago for the punter for the chargers and um, kind of not similar to that, but he, he said that I asked him, you know, when you, when you have those off days, like what helps you get back and, and going. And his quote was, you know, or his story was, you know, you, you get to do this. And um, it's that, I guess that's what kind of separates a lot of the, the pros from, you know, everybody else is that they relish that, you know, day in and day out work. They never get to a point where they're above the basics. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, so getting back to your quote, and I'll tell you the one that's my most favorite is obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. Obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. That's how I've had success because I really don't give a shit people say or think. I never have, okay? When I've got my goal, people are gonna always put obstacles in your way. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. Dude, I'm a 5'855 pound kicker. All right, coming out of high school, there no you can't play college football. Okay, you can't try out for the pros. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, you're coaching high school football. You can't go coaching national football. Like you've been coaching high school for eight years. You're a high school football coach. What are you doing? You can't go to the NFL. Every one of us has that story. Okay, we all do. Everybody listening today has their story of when someone has told them you can't do it. Now, if you focus on those obstacles, most likely you will not achieve your goal. But if you don't and you focus on your goal, the obstacles are meaningless, just meaningless. Hmm. There's your, there's your success quote. That's awesome. And you know, you, I think you told me last time we talked, this is kind of the last thing you don't fancy yourself as just a kicking coach. You're a football coach who happens to coach kickers. And you know, at, at some point you'll always be a coach, but at some point, you know, maybe you won't be doing it every day in the NFL. And when you look back on your career as a coach, what is, the one thing you would like your players to remember about their time spent with you? That I made them better. And I tell them, tell them all the time. The day I stop making you better is you got to tell me, cause I'll go, I'll just go somewhere else because I, I, I have to. Um, Sam Morgan, we've been around each other a long time and there's not a day that I don't believe that I've made Sam Morgan or Justin that I, uh, there's not a day that I believe I don't make them a little better. And then they verbalize it, you know? Um, 
And, and that's, that's gotta be your goal. And that's my thing every day that every player that, that has ever worked with me can say, I got better under him. And, um, and that's all you can really ask for as a coach, right? You know, you want to make your players, you want to make your players better. Cause when you make them better, you make them better. And I'm saying make them better. I'm not making them better on the field. I make them better off the field too. You know, right. I've got great relationships with my players and I can go, I can start telling you stories for UT Chattanooga. You know, my players come to me cause their girlfriends are pregnant. You know, mm-hmm. I can tell you stories in high school football where, you know, uh, a family's house burned down and we had nowhere to put the, put the kid and he ended up living with another family. I mean, there's story, story after story after story, but you know, my goal is not just to make you better on the field. My better is to make you better off the field too. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm so fortunate. I've got, I've got three great guys and Justin Morgan and Sam who are three awesome dads. They're three great fathers. Um, they're three great sons. And when you see their families, I think that's what, you know, you really, you know, you've really, I, I, there's nothing better when our games are over and everybody's in the parking lot. We've won the game, of course, but you know, you see our players with their kids and their moms and dads who've come to the games and their wives and you just see it, you know, how, they are. And if I had a little piece to help make them better on and off the field, uh, it's a satisfaction for me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Kickers Are People 2 podcast. If you like this episode, or even better, if you didn't like it, please drop us a review on iTunes so we can get better for everybody else. This is important because we're going to start to give away some free, cool prizes in the coming weeks, episodes, and seasons. Thank you.